You might remember the event Visible, Weekend of Trans Joy, from a couple of episodes ago. It was a coming together of trans folks in Vienna to share their works of art and celebrate around the Trans Day of Visibility. This included an art exhibition, short film showcase, open mic, a delicious vegan feast, and a bonfire. In this episode, I'm talking to another of the featured artists, Eric Peckney, about using COVID as an opportunity to work on their art, transitioning at the same time, and the power of the internet to connect communities in real life. What is your name? My name is Eric Pickney. Uh-huh. What do you pronounce? He, him. Um, what are yours? Mine are she, her. Okay, good. My name is Denise. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I wanted to talk about um, you, your art, your engagement in Visible, mm-hmm. um, and sort of like what you're thinking about in terms of like your evolution. That's cool. Yeah. yeah okay. So I wanted to read your artist statement. Mm-hmm. From oh my god! I don't even remember what I said. Yes, you don't remember. What you I don't said? remember. No, I didn't. Like I, just, I wrote it and I sent it and never looked at it again. You never looked at it again. Yeah. So let's hear it. I can't believe you forgot you said this. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay, Eric Peckman. Am I saying right? Yes. Eric Peckman. Um, love like us. A visual poem that may be autobiographical, but need not be. Many of us just want to be seen, truly seen, and when we do it, might come as a shock. Told through the eyes of a friendly skeleton. Why the skull? In a face that has no expression, we find our own meaning. Often more than any face of any person can offer us. Yeah, awesome. So, a skull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I draw that a lot, actually. Yeah. And I, I used to think it was just you know because I, I don't know for fun because mm-hmm. I like I like the image, right? And then last October I started working on that particular comic. It's called Love Like Us, where I, you had this skeleton person persona that is maybe me, you know used and I used it for the comic and it worked so well and I and then lots of people asked me okay this is a cool topic why why is it a skeleton why is it so scary and I'm like Ugh. and I had to come up with a reason and, and realized as I tried to explain myself oh yeah that made a lot of sense because um it could be anyone it's not just me and that when you when we draw faces we immediately see some kind of emotion on it and what I intend to draw in the face and the emotion might not be what a reader would read in the face of the emotion, but the, the skull face has no emotion. So only the text and the circumstance gives it some sort of emotion that is whatever you need it to be in the thing. It's like if you have, there's these great comics where there's literally just a smiley face as a person, right? And that could also be anything. And according to that, it's like this much better 
to have less showing and more interpretation of the reader for the skeleton. And ever since then, it's not true, right? My skeleton face has a lot of emotion, actually. It can look angry and can look happy. It has a lot of symbolism as well. Yes, yes, it does. And like when I look at you, I do not think of a skull. Like I just, you you. know what I mean? Like I don't think of like the the death and everything, but there's there's also something like there's a heaviness about it where like what it represents is more than maybe what it is. Mm -hmm. Do you see yourself like this in this way? I also don't, I didn't choose it for like the death aspect so much as while I am interested in that as a like a as a symbolism thing but also it is the bare minimum of me right if you take everything away in the core there's skeleton there's a skull and it's a good thing i like i like that mm-hmm. and, and in my head with the, the skeleton and the people the skeleton maybe meet in the future they are all like people and then the comic is what everyone else has face and, and skin and i'm just you know i don't have that the skeleton doesn't have that. It's really the core of what I am, and then the rest maybe will still come. I don't know. That's that's what it is for me. If I see like a friendly skeleton, a friendly skeleton. Yeah. I think it is friendly. How did you start doing art? I have always been drawing, like lots of artists, on the side, mm. uh, and I wasn't I wasn't particularly good at it, but it doesn't matter, right? Like I, I love doing it, and I, you know, as you do in school, instead of schoolwork you just doodle and draw a lot and I got really into comics as a medium and I I drew my own terrible comics you know in school they're great I love them they are awful and then I thought well better now do a career a real one Uh, and I did that for a while and I always kept drawing on the side and I discovered digital drawing because it's just so cool what people can do with like concept art and stuff like that and in like when when COVID started, mm-hmm. and I was just out of a job and also rather unhappy with where my life was going, I thought, well, now we're all at home anyway, and I don't have a job. Now I can try the art thing for real, like professionally, like as an actual career and not just as a hobby. And if it doesn't work out, I always have the excuse of like, well, it was COVID and mm-hmm. I didn't do, you know. And here I am. <laughs> I tried to get into art school uh, right after school, but they didn't want me. And to be fair, I wasn't, I don't think. It's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> now I think of, oh, thank God. I am so glad I didn't go to art school uh, right after school. It, it would have been terrible. I would have hated it there. I would not have fit in. I mean, no offense. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> or maybe a little. And I wasn't ready. And then. I did a little diploma thing for game art and animation, but I also left that again because it was very focused on the industry, which is cool, and I learned a lot of cool stuff, but I realized I didn't want to like actually fit into that industry where you have, you have this kind of artist and this kind of artist, and they, they are expected to do these very specialized things really well. And I got really bored with that very specialized thing. It's like, oh, I want to do so many things. But of course, wherever you go, you like learn so much about the craft. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. And here I am. And I mean, I have a I have a day job. I have a side job for 20 hours because, it's, well, my art doesn't pay my bills. But, you know, sometimes it comes and goes. It's project-based. So There's this uh, thing that I've been thinking a lot lately, which is that um, find what you're passionate about and make it into a job is horrible advice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, because really what it does is it turns something that you dig and love into something that now your livelihood depends on. Yeah. And generally that turns it into a slog, yeah. right? So it's not going to be something that you just turn to as a site of refuge anymore. Mm-hmm. It might be come this thing that is another chore. Yeah, that ha- that is a difficult path to walk, I think, because on the other hand, I agree with this, and I found that happened to me too, because for a while I really only did art as a source of income, because I was lucky enough that for a while I had this project going, and it was it was cool, but it turned into a chore, like really it did, like you said. And then on other days, I found myself thinking, oh, that's, I mean, this is, I get up and I go to work, which is at home at my place, and I, I draw all day, and then that's my work, and that's really cool as well. I think... Under the right circumstances, I would I would be happy to leave behind any kind of office day job and just do this. But then, yeah, it takes a lot of work also mentally to be like, okay, but this is my job. And then also maybe some other artists, mine, mm-hmm. and not my job. And it is hard to find reasons to still draw, to be creative after you've been creative for work all day. And sometimes you're just, you're out, I've got nothing left. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to anymore. So, yeah. Yeah, and capitalism always haunts you wherever you go when you do that. Capitalism? Yes. <laughs> yes, because on the one hand, you have to make money mm-hmm. with your art, and then you are online. I mean, I'm, I have to be online, and I have to be on social media. I'm not particularly good at it, nor do I enjoy it much, but you have to be. You have to sell yourself, and you have to ask yourself, do I do something that I know is going to sell well? Or do I do something I want to do? Or do I want to do something that I think would be good to be out there? This is maybe a third thing. And that is maybe more painful than the actual working for, for a living as an artist. Because I know, or sometimes I think I know that, well, I want to do this art thing and nobody will care. And then I get nothing for it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes I'm wrong. You know, mm-hmm. it's not always true. It's just my belief. That I have to, you know, make money to be a real artist. That you know, you know, be valid in it. Uh, yes, and it's terrible. I don't want to think like this. I don't, and I also don't. You know, if I see other artists and they're like, you know, they make their money somewhere else, and then they make. Art. I don't think that they are not real artists, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't apply the same standards to yourself sometimes, mm-hmm. even if you should. So it seems like you found this community here of other artists. Um, could you talk to, a little bit about that? Yeah, I because... feel like the the community found me, and I'm so grateful for it because I'm, I love, I look, I'm, I kind of hid away a little bit at home for a long time, and it's slowly other people are like, oh, come here and come here, and also the the way I got to visible, I think I got recommended by someone to Georgie, and a good friend of mine who, who was like, oh. Um, ask Eric and he has things like oh and then and, and Georgie asked me and I was grateful and I would love to be here and I met so many new people but uh, sometimes I need this little like someone who's like come on go here and go here and it's great but wherever I go with the people that recommend it it's always great and then I have these contacts and I love it and it honestly saved my life like this friend who I think recommended me I met them a couple of years ago which is what made me realize that I am trans a while back because before that I just 
I wasn't in contact with anybody. And I know and you knew it was a thing. I was on the internet. It's not like I wasn't aware of it. But it didn't I've never met anyone that I spoke to and was really close friends with that shared their experience so much with me. They're like, hang on. <laughs> Wait a moment. This feels too relatable. And that that I'm so lucky that it happened to me because I I wasn't really going anywhere. I, I like being at home, you know, or I, I used to, I hid away a lot because before I, before I transitioned, I just hated being out generally and I always felt out of place and then it was COVID and I wasn't used to it and then during my transition, I also hid away because it was hard and now I'm realizing, hey, I actually like being out and I like community and this is great. Yeah, we, we don't talk a lot about that, like what happens, you know, like this kind of like dream deferred thing where it's what happens to queer folks that never get the ability to fully express themselves yeah. because they don't find community, they don't find a space, they don't feel like they have the right to they feel like they would be persecuted mm-hmm. and everything and what it you know but most of us as queer people we have at least a phase in our lives where we felt that that was true for us mm-hmm. right and that just feels so soul crushing um and it yeah so <laughs> you meet this friend and through this friend, not only do you find community um, and um, sort of a mirror in terms of like your art, but also around like your identity. Yeah. And then what happens? Well, this friend introduced me to more friends, of their friends, and uh, I became friends with them as well. And now, somehow in the last couple of years, what happened was also that, because I've I am I'm not that old, right? I'm twenty-nine now. But still it's ancient. I know. <laughs> it kind of is though, yeah. because then I meet like younger queer people who are just also for the first time in, you know, come from the from the countryside and now they're in Vienna and they're going to these events for the first time. And and I can see them standing there with open eyes and like, yes, I get it. That's like your your first pride and you think, Oh my god, there's so many. There's, there's so, so many and I find myself thinking like you and I, I will adopt you now and you and you and come here and it's all great and I want to, you know, tell them it's like it's great and it's fine, it's going to be easier eventually, like trust me, it's great. Like, and then all that happened within the span of a few years from like myself being like, oh no, I, I don't know anyone and I'm so scared I don't want to go anywhere to like, yes, come here, everyone. Well, what was your question? <laughs> <laughs> then what happened? <laughs> Well, and it's still happening. It's still happening. Yes, yeah. I agree. It's still happening, and I, I'm, I'm also so grateful that now I've made these contacts, and already, like when, when was that? A couple of weeks ago, with uh, with the children's book meeting and the, the protest outside, right? And when was the that? the April sixteenth yes. protest? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and it was it was really easy because I I, only, I I came here without my protest buddy because because she was out of the country, which I wouldn't usually do, but I knew already there's like a couple of people that I met in Visible Alley would be here and I met up with them and then I met so many people that I already know thinking, oh, this is great. Like, this is, this is it. This is how it's supposed to be. And that was fantastic. And for, also what I said earlier about how, you know, you have to choose as an artist to do something that 
could sell, maybe, or do mm. something that means something. However, with the right people, you know, like, that's the same thing because it speaks to it speaks to people and then they want to support me as an artist and suddenly I no longer have to decide between doing something commercial and doing something that's actually meaningful because now it's the same thing. And that is, that was really good on that Sunday when I was selling my art here and people were like, oh, I love this. And this really spoke to me, really. <laughs> <laughs> great, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I really love your art. Oh, you already you. know that. Um, the... How, how do you sort of negotiate the space of like who you are, your identity, and how much of that you want to put in your art? How much of that you want to put into the story behind mm-hmm. your art, right? I don't particularly try to, but then it happens anyway. The, this, the Love Like Us comic is more autobiographical than that, than what I usually do. Or at least I say that, because it's, it is easy to spoil what, what's going on there, but I think, I don't know, I can't help it. Even if I look back at the things that I used to do back before I even came out and everything, it's still very, It's if I had paid attention more to my art, maybe I would have realized some things earlier, but I didn't. But, so I can't help it. I, I try to keep it anonymous in the sense that I would, I don't want to tell my story because first of all, I don't think it's that interesting. You know, could be, and second, that's a bit too personal, I think, to just then show friends. Of you know, that's 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 that terrifies me. I can show strangers. This is great post online. Something about like here's something I made, and I'm happy to show the entire world and every stranger on the planet, except my close friends and family. You stay away because it's I don't know. It's very very personal. Sometimes maybe reveals what I really think of some people. Which not great. Mm. <clears throat> but I think. Since I started to know myself better, my art has gotten better because I include autobiographical things about me in it, and that's good. I think it is good. And I, I used to think, well, nobody cares about my story, but then I guess they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Where do you see it going? Where do you want it to go? Well, I... I would like to do Loma comics or graphic novels or something like this. Realistically, I would also honestly just like to work for an author, like as an illustrator. I have done this. I've illustrated a, a, a young adult novel with a with a with a writer in 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 California who I've worked with several times. It was good. It's a great collab- collaboration. I love him, and he he writes stories and. One of the books I illustrated for him is already out, and it was really cool. It was that happened last summer. I was like, oh, this is an actual book that is like you can buy it on Amazon and everything, and I've illustrated it, and that is, I hope you know, for fine. There's several projects that sometimes you know they're just ideas, and maybe oh, you want to illustrate this and this, and sometimes something comes to fruition and it's great. And um, I'm working on my own thing. That is, of course, you know between work and artwork that I need to pay my bills, there's always this, like, everyone has this project, right? That eventually will be a longer thing. That is my comic graphic novel story that I illustrate as well. And then I, I guess I'll self-publish it or I try sending it to publishers. We'll see. I don't know. You know, there's there's an option, just like Leuvenhertz. 
in, yeah. in, in Vienna, the, things like that, that's what I would try. Yeah, there's Logan Hats, there's old books, there's yes. Chiclet, so all these so are possible. quick mm-hmm. queer uh, bookstores in Vienna, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, as soon as there's something like a part one finish or something, I do that. And also between that, I just love... I do enjoy working for projects of other people's creative visions. This is great. Mm-hmm. Like people come to me like, okay, can you can you illustrate this thing that I want for my book cover or whatever? And then they have a vision, but they're not visual artists that are like, you know, it should be the vibe of whatever this. And then we work together and then in the end they're like, oh, this is exactly what I imagine, but I'd never thought it would look like this. It's like, yes, this is great. You know, so like album covers and stuff like that I'd like to do. Yeah, I love graphic novels and I love the way that they're able to tell stories in this very like poetic and lyrical mm. way. It's more like a song than an actual story in yes. some ways. And there's also the, my like Colm McCann, I think is the name of the author who writes about comics mm-hmm. and makes like how to make comics, comics. And it's always the, there's more like this, it's more than the sum of its part, right? There's the images and there's the text. And there's, if you put them together, there's more than just the two extra things when it comes together. That's so cool because not very few other media media can do that. That's what I love about it. And that's when I, but then when I say I make comics, right? And the people are like, oh, you, you want to work for Marvel? It's like, no, <laughs> first of all, I couldn't. It's like, no, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say no. Suddenly, no I mean, I would Keep those doors like, open. If Marvel suddenly came, like, you want to work for us? I'm like, sure, I will. But, you know, it's not the kind of comics, you know. It means cool, like, but I, it's not what I do. I don't really, it doesn't, it's not really that fit, else I can't. I mean, I'm never drawn a superhero, I don't know. But there's so much more, that it's such an open field, you can do anything with it. I've seen amazing zines and, and short graphic novels of like amazing artists that, is, that, that are very far away from what I, what people probably assume when I say I draw comics. And that's so cool. The possibilities are endless. Love it. <laughs> okay, it's just dawned on me that I forgot to ask some boring autobiographical oh, yeah. thing. Go ahead. You can you can cut this <laughs> and put like it in the so beginning. So focused on the fact that you were in Eric. <laughs> um, where are you from? I'm from Vienna. I was I was born in Vienna, mm-hmm. and then I grew up kind of part time in Low Austria, so half rural on the farm, which was great. But I am from here, yeah, and I'm still here. You're still here. Yeah. Yeah, that happens to Viennese people a lot. It right? does because I think it's an Austrian thing because we there's only this one big city, right? And a lot of smaller cities. So mm. it makes sense to go if you want to come here to study. You come from all the places, but I'm I'm already here, and I spent a year in Australia and in, in New Zealand and stuff. So like like I went away for a bit, thinking I will stay away because I like you want to have like the international idea of like yeah I'm gonna go somewhere else but it's cooler than here and then you go to places and it's amazing but and I came back and I actually realized hang on I mean I don't you know I don't have to go far away to find what whatever it was I was looking for which was I guess community and, and inspiration and thinking about because just because I didn't see it as a kid doesn't mean it doesn't exist and also the reality if not like I, mean, I can't just live uh, somewhere else I mean 
health insurance and, <laughs> and what? support, sorry. you know. Like, I'm sorry, I'm American and we don't believe in health insurance because oh, we believe like, in freedom. Oh, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> this might shock you. <laughs> this might shock you, but some of us have health insurance. <laughs> it's difficult enough as an artist, you know, if you're self-employed and you're like, okay, but I need health insurance. Yeah. Somehow, like, please. Like, yeah, you know, I, I mean, insurance. I, I, think, I think that the comfort of Vienna presents all of this opportunity for people that in a lot of other countries would be very much on the margins and mm-hmm. be actually very preoccupied with their own survival Yeah, in a way that you don't have to be as preoccupied mm-hmm. here. I guess not as much. I mean, not as much. I mean, like, it's yeah, hard enough. Yeah, it's, it's hard like, enough. It's like, right? We love Vienna because it's cool compared to like the, the, the options that we have here is great. Could be better. Yeah. Could be so much better. <laughs> Yeah, Let's yeah, April 16th here. showed us that, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't have to tell this to you or probably your audience, right? But it's like, we, we all know, because I guess we hear a lot from the outside, like, oh, but in Vienna, these things don't happen, and you're so lucky that you're in Vienna. It's like, yes, yes, I am lucky. I am lucky to be Austrian. But also, it's not as great and, like, solved as you think it is. We know this. I, I, I get so angry sometimes. Especially because when they tell it to me, I'm like, yeah, it is comparatively easy for me because I'm white and I am, yes, I am trans, but I'm transmasculine. I use he, him pronouns. I, I am perceived now in Vienna as a man, which is great for me because it's true. And yes, but that just because like extended family and cis people and they see me, oh, you, you're doing well and it's easy for you. I was like, yeah, uh, yes. But also, that doesn't mean, oh God, it's, we're not all done. It's, oh, it, yeah, you're my thoughts on that. I, I think <laughs> of it this way, um, that I've never seen, like my status of how things are going never begins and ends with how I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I've like dedicated my life mm-hmm. and all the things into a community-based project. And that's because it has always been for me about how we yes. are doing. And my we is very expansive, right? Um, but I think that there's so much toxic individualism and in that how things are going is really for a lot of people just a question about how am I doing. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely love uh, being in community with people who are much more concerned with how we are doing. Mm-hmm. And also, it, I think, I don't know, maybe it happens to also a lot of queer people at some point in their lives that be, because we have we have a lot of work to do to think about ourselves, right? Because there's so much figuring out that is happening and then you have to fight for yourself and for your rights that for a while it seems like, oh, but, you know, I am, it's me and my fight against everyone because it can feel like this. And I think the moment when you realize it's not an either or thing, it's actually, you know, it is combined in the community, like you say, it's, that is the point and it's much easier. It's not, oh, I have to care about myself and also about everyone else, that's impossible. It's the other way around, isn't it? Because the moment you think about us in a very expansive sense, you don't have to fight for yourself anymore. It's not on top of that. It's that, it's more like, if you realize that if you fight for our community, then that's the only fight you really need, because then 
it helps you both in the sense that you have a community and in the sense that we know this. I mean, if there's no, just, you know, save my one thingy that my label is here, the rest can, and we know this. We know this. Yeah, we do know this. We, we know this. <laughs> we, we, yeah, we know this. Okay, so I can't have a two-hour-long podcast, uh, but I would love to. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to stop you here because then I have to, like, edit it down just a little bit, mm-hmm. but... Gosh, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It has definitely been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Cool. Do you have any questions for me? Um, how long has this been going on? How, how, how many people do you interview? 30 years. <laughs> yeah. How long has the podcast been going on? Yes. So I recorded over 100 episodes. Cool. Then I paused in 2018, spent the summer in Norway, came back, opened this in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the, then I've been consistently trying to restart it since. Um, So I have all these episodes that are recorded that now I'm going to do this whole push and I have so many back recorded things that I'm actually going to be in the beginning doing it um, like weekly just because I have all these episodes. That's cool. Well, that's pretty cool. Uh Um, But I mean, it's like my fifth project. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you are creative, you're creative. You want to do yeah, stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm not surprised. Yeah, the ADD got me. So. <laughs> <laughs> like, I tried my best. I tried my best. Like, it's a superpower, actually. But, um, you know, sometimes it means that, like, sometimes I have to put down a project and then, like, pick it up. Because, yeah. like, the last four years has been, has been such a whirlwind. You uh-huh. know, I open up eight months later, there's Corona. Yeah. We God. survived Corona, right? Uh-huh through grit, 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 and then we come back and we're doing stuff and we have like three street festivals mm-hmm. and we started to activate a queer youth club, we started the queer mutual aid fund, um, we su- sustained so many artists and um, organizations and yeah, we've had over 150 drag queens that have performed through here, Amazing. you know, like it's you know, we have about a dozen organizations that meet here regularly. So it's just, it's like one of those things that's like, okay. <laughs> and then that podcast. Remember that podcast? <laughs> well, you know, I know how it is. And sometimes when it doesn't want to be, you know, worked on, you need to pause it. And then yeah. later, you just pick it up again. You can't yeah. pause it. I so I'm picking it up again. This is cool. This is I cool. I am picking it up again. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. There was something I wanted to ask you that mm-hmm. was going to be like my through line. Because it is a podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is your queer truth? What is my queer truth? Oh my god. On the spot. Mm-hmm. It's hmm. oh god. I I trust that I know who I am and in the same way. If it's if it feels right, it's it probably is right. And took me way too long to accept that. With that, you know, I don't need to know why. If it feels right, it's probably right. And it's true for most things in my life actually. It's very vague vague, isn't it? It's great. It's good. <laughs> It's great, and it's true. And with all the things that it comes to terms with, and, and 
think about them and wonder, you know, if, if it feels right. In the end, yeah, probably is right. How do we find you? Um, I am on Instagram at zebracrepes underscore, you know, zebracrepes, Z-E-B-R-A-K-R-E-B-S. Yes, underscore. Yeah, but there's an underscore after yes, it. Yes, there's an underscore after it. Okay. But you'll find me anyway. And also, if you if you Google Eric Peckney with Eric with a K, P E K N Y, that I, I come up pretty soon because that that's a rare name, which is cool. And I have a website as well as Eric Peckney. Yeah, got it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I hope that you had a good time. It was great. Very <laughs> fun. Awesome. Bye.